Yeah, this is Massacre Radio on the map because that's where we're at. I, of course, am members only, Dave, and boy, it's only episode four, but they just don't get any bigger than this, do they, folks? As in just a few moments, I'll be speaking with John Rhodes, the one, the legendary. He stopped by to talk all things reptilian humanoids and drops a couple of juicy nuggets along the way. You are not going to want to miss that. And then, you know how in the first episode of Massacre Radio, I spoke with Aaron Crowell about UFO wreckage recovery, David Gresh, and the like? Well, that was a popular segment, and once word got around, I was meeting people and having conversations with folks I had never dreamed of, okay? One of them gave me some very interesting information that you're going to want to stick around for because it's it's really something else, okay? But right now we're getting back to John Rhodes. Here's the conversation we had, and listen in to what he says about Washington, D.C. I thought that was eyebrow-raising to say the least. It's Massacre Radio. You're listening to Massacre Radio. Your own trade, mother. What is that anyway? It appears less than grotesque. Absolutely maddening. It's what she ordered. Here, have a bite. Well? You know, it's not at all what I thought it would be. Massacre Radio. Have a bite. Delightful. We go to the hotline and introduce John Rhodes. He's the guy that introduced reptilians to society, a coast-to-coast AM legend and owner of Reptoids.com, the Reptoid Research Center. John, thank you so much for your time today. How's things in your neck of the woods? Uh, really great. Uh, no problems on my end. Let's start with this, John. What's your read on the current climate of current UFO disclosure and secret crash recovery programs that have been dominating the headlines as of late? I believe that we're coming towards some sort of a transformative age that we've all waited for. It's a matter of when is the announcement of something other than human having contact with planet Earth, our human beings, when is that going to be convenient and useful for the authorities to make an announcement? I just have to point back to the early 1990s when this started, when they started producing a lot more films with characters with reptilian features to their physical likeness. And there's a lot of science behind that idea. You've got evidence from scientists saying that the true possibility is that we might be having contact with a species that is not from necessarily off-planet, but one that actually shares our planet with us in remote geological regions. Now, reported this week, Senator Marco Rubio says officials report possession of non-human UFOs with dead pilots. I guess my question, I mean this coupled with the David Gresh report from a few weeks ago, what incentive do these high-ranking officials have to come forward with this sensitive information? Well, it's coming to a point in which it's hard to dismiss anymore. We've got too many whistleblowers coming forward, and we're seeing technologies being employed and evidence of these technologies that's hard to dismiss. We're talking about craft that can fly from 80,000 feet to sea level in less than a second, which is approximately 50,000 miles an hour. Anything inside a craft like that, a human at least, would not be able to withstand the G-force of such acceleration or deceleration. And as far as the crash retrieval evidence, um, it's been my philosophy from a long time. Unless they're coming on day trips from far outside our galaxy, they may have set up shop here a long time ago. 
and are using resources and uh, minerals and uh, making their craft and parts from products that produce here on Earth. So for the scientists, it's easy for them to dismiss than it's anything but nonsense because they say, look, there's no extraterrestrial material here. What exactly is the connection, if any, between reptilian humanoids and the extraterrestrial? Well, we have a, a man by the name of Dale Russell, who is a paleontologist. He's now deceased, but uh, a number of years ago in the early 1980s, he actually produced a report for NASA to document what his thoughts were, what extraterrestrial life would look like. What he did is he took a dinosaur named Truodon and that died about 65 million years ago. And he says, look, most of the dinosaurs were walking upright on two legs. They were getting arms and hands that had opposable thumbs. Their eyes started coming from the side of their heads to forward point, which means they had stereoscopic vision, which made them better hunters. Their brain case was larger. And he said, given the possibility that some of these could have survived, he says they could have actually evolved into something that was like upright humanoid in appearance, but still remained reptilian with its physiology. So is there a possibility that some breakaway group of creatures, beings, could have have evolved also separate and parallel to mankind and have just been smart enough to stay away from us for the most part because we're pretty dangerous. John Rhodes is my guest. John, you touched on a key word there, archaeology. And when I was doing research for this interview, I came across an article on these figures, these artifacts that were found in southern Iraq back in 1923 that some experts believe depict a reptilian humanoid. Talk a little bit about these artifacts and their significance. These were the the green terracotta statues from the Ubaid culture of Babylon. So these were found by a gentleman named Woolley, and he brought those forward, and they were, of course, stuck in the drawers of the museums. But when you're looking at them, they clearly show that they are upright humanoid-type beings that had reptilian slit eyes, a slit for a mouth, and a large kind of a conical head. And one of them was actually clutching and carrying a child to the chest as if it could breastfeed. These were fired in a green color. Some of these were actually stolen out of the museums when we had the Iraq One War. The museums were ransacked, and some of these statues, particularly these, were ended up missing. So there seems to be an ancient connection with potentially something that made contact with us that was intelligent. We still have about 80% of all expected life forms on this earth that we have not even had contact with or seen. The majority of it lives underground. The majority of Earth's biomass is not on the surface that actually lives underground. And keep in mind, even if you're from off planet, you're certainly going to set up shop and not maybe go home every day. So alien cultures, whether it naturally evolved here on Earth or off Earth, are most likely living in remote geological areas and using Earth as a base of operations or this is where they live now. You know, there have been depictions of serpent-like beings throughout recorded history and even in the Bible being referred to as seraphims in the book of Isaiah. These beings have been seen in places like South Carolina, Tennessee, and Austria. What do you think they want with us? Why are they here? I mean, if they are trying to take over the world, they're doing an awfully bad job at it, don't you think? What makes us think they're trying to take over the world? You're talking about humans reacting to something fairly scary. And, you know, when I first came out with this information, there were a lot of people that wanted to attach fantasy type of material to it. And it was real easy to try and scare everybody because they were preconditioned through a biblical teachings that anything that looks humanoid and has a reptilian form to it and is talking to you has to be the devil. We are already preconditioned to be fearful of it. So for a lot of authors, it was an easy sell. 
They just said, hey, let's blame the world's uh, problems on these beings. And that's what happened. And it took off. You mentioned underground bunkers. There have been some reported in New Mexico, among other places. But I wanted to ask you about the Denver airport and its ties to secret underground bunkers that possibly harbor reptilian humanoids. Have you heard about this phenomena and do you have any insight on it? Well, um, whether it's the airport or not, Denver in itself is a very, very important location. I believe personally that we are going to abandon Washington, D.C. as a national capital and relocate it to Denver, Colorado. And this has been in the planning stage for a long, long time. And now that we have troops in Washington because of civil unrest, supposedly, that they have not left Washington, they're setting the stages to say Washington became so dangerous for our leadership that they were required to relocate further inland where it's safe. And that location is going to be Denver. The Denver International Airport, which was built as a um, larger facility to replace Stapleton Airport, there's a great possibility that the airport itself has large underground tunnels and tube shuttle systems that maybe take uh, leadership just as they would in, in our nation's capital through tunnels and such to other locations. They would have done the same thing underneath Denver International Airport, servicing the area immediately around there. This is where we're going to be looking for in the future as far as the central place from which our country is operating. John Rhodes is my guest. John, what do you think is holding back these reptilian humanoids from announcing themselves to the rest of the world, or has that already happened? Well, what's holding any alien creatures back from making their own announcement? I think we're given a certain amount of uh, self-governance on our planet, and there may be an issue of other alien cultures can't just suddenly land in a football field. So there are a certain matter of rules and governance on the planet. And that's where the men in black come in, because they're the enforcers to make sure that secret is actually a secret until it's time for it to come out. And given what we see going on around us in society today globally, I would suggest that kind of time is rapidly approaching. John, have you yourself ever encountered the so-called men in black that you speak of? Uh, Yes, I have. What can you tell us about your encounters with them and when did it happen? Um, well, I encountered them one particular time with another person with me out at the Grand Canyon Cavern, south of the Grand Canyon, off uh, Highway 66. I was out there looking for a potential entrance to some sort of an underground facility there because it's one of the very few regions in the nation where they have dry caves and water sources. I was going out there two or three times and a friend of mine said, hey, I got a phone call. And these guys told me that if you and Tony go back out there again, you're going to end up dead. And I thought that my friend was pulling my leg and just trying to energize my explorations with some sort of sense of excitement. And I didn't pay any attention. But when I got out there to a dark, um, I mean, to a pullout, it was literally in the middle of nowhere. Here's two guys in the black car. One remained by the vehicle. The other one came over to my vehicle. My friend refused to get out and blamed me for the encounter. He didn't want to deal with it. He was very nervous. I stepped out. They introduced themselves to me where the one did. The other one never said anything. And he said some things about my private life and about private phone conversations I had earlier that day to kind of let me know that they were the ones listening without any mistake about it. And he told me that if I keep going out there, I'm going to end up lost or hurt and make Maybe nobody would find me again. And I was very respectful. I appreciated them for being concerned, but I told them they had nothing to be concerned about. And I actually had 
the gonads to turn around on the balls of my feet and walk away and turn my back on them. Wow. And then my friend Tony and I just kept walking and I said, don't, don't look around, don't look back. We continued walking for about 15 minutes because it just didn't quite sink into us that we had actually met the men in black. I mean, the real ones. It, we, it's funny. It's like a post-contact encounter where people are dazed. We're walking out there and I just finally said to him, did we actually meet two men in black? And my friend was like, I think so. At the top of the interview, I mentioned Coast to Coast AM, and you said you've been on other shows like Ancient Aliens and Unsolved Mysteries, but I also know you were on Jesse Ventura's show, Once Upon a Time. What can you tell us about Jesse Ventura and that whole experience being on his show? What was he like? Uh, well, Jesse's an authentic being. He speaks out, and he doesn't care about what people think about what he says, and he's trying to get to the bottom of things. I didn't care about the Jesse Venture episode because it turns out that the entire production team was nothing more than trying to attack David Icke, the English author who proposes, oh, the king's a shapeshifter and all this other stuff going on, and he's very anti-Semitic and such like this. They were specifically going out to try and attack him and his credibility trying to use me as a vehicle to do it, saying he's taken my work, basically, and he's produced all this fear and all this hatred amongst people. They weren't looking for the science of it. None of the scientific stuff I brought to the interview table was ever broadcast. And they ended up calling me an alien hunter, which I persistently said, I'm not that, you know, I'm not out to hunt aliens. That sounds very aggressive. But Hollywood's that way. Most of these television shows out there, some of the most popular ones have no ethics. They are willing to do pre-interviews with experts, get their information, and they feed them back through teleprompters to their main five characters or whatever. So information you bring out, even though you're not featured as an interviewee, are brought into the shows and basically taken from you because the producers have no concept of the research, but they present it according to their world point of view, not according to the expert's point of view. So it leaves me very sour. Interesting. Well, I guess I didn't know that there, John. What have you been working on recently, and what can you tell the folks about what you're currently working on, and where can they find you online? I know you have the website reptoids.com, but where else can they find you? They can find me on Facebook, John Rhodes, Crypto Hunter, C-R-Y-P-T-O-H-U-N-T-E-R. They can find me out there. The research I'm doing now, if you think that the subject of reptilian humanoids was exciting, I can't tell you exactly what I'm working on now, but I'm working on something now that is going to be a real game changer. I have made some discoveries that can be verified by anybody sitting at home. It has to do with even why Denver is going to be our next national capital. And there are people who are working globally. And ever since 2020, this is the big move. This is the big move to solidify everybody through fear. And I expect them to introduce some sort of potentially an extraterrestrial threat in order to draw us all together so we think of ourselves as humans instead of individual nations. I think now they're desperately trying to give this one world order a big push so they can say we're ready for contact. John, it was a pleasure. We will have to do this again sometime once you come forward with those details. John Rhodes has been my guest. John, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, everybody else out there, for looking into anything I made have mention. Please contact me, visit at the website or on Facebook. Massacre Radio. In the beginning, there was VHS and Beta, then DVD, and now, in the 21st century, thanks to the advent of modern technology, we have streaming. (laughs) 
With thousands of titles all at your fingertips, sometimes it's hard to find something even halfway decent to watch, but it doesn't have to be. Introducing SubGenius.tv, the only streaming service you need with hundreds of hand-picked titles at your convenience. Titles like The Pink Ladies, Corruption, and Night Terror. You'll never run out of interesting cinema to consume at home ever again. SubGenius.tv has it all, and then some. Besides, who has the space to store physical media anyway? Streaming is the future, and SubGenius.tv is here to pave the way. Don't be a coward. Sign up today with plans starting at $5.83 per month. SubGenius.tv. Don't make us tell you again. This summer, what has a face, two hands, tells time, and kills? The clock. Watching horror as a demonic grandfather clock wreaks havoc. Why is it covered in human ears? It takes them! Lend us your ears, because in this town, it's always the witching hour. Just give it time. The clock. You don't want to be around when this clock strikes. Only in theaters this summer. If the truth is out there, he's gonna find it. Today, Members Only Dave opens the lid. Yeah, that's right. It's Members Only Dave, and this week I'm opening the lid on a number of things. It was a busy week for reptilian humanoids in the news, as arguably the most popular and widely circulated video from last week was that of a woman seemingly in her late 30s on a plane having some sort of freak out. Now, I'll play the audio for you here of the encounter. The video starts and you can see the woman walking from the back of the plane to the front. And it sounds like perhaps she's had a few pre-flight pops there at the airport bar. Like maybe she was sipping on a Mike's Hard. Who knows? But you'll see her gesture to the back here. They can either believe it or they cannot believe it. I don't give two f- but I am telling you right now that mother f- that mother f- back there is not real. And she claims that the person she was sitting next to is, quote, not real. And it later came out that she said she thought she was sitting next to a reptilian shapeshifter. She seems pretty convinced having that conviction in her voice. We can all hear it. For those of you who haven't seen the video by now, the camera pans to the back after she points, and you don't really see anyone in particular, nobody who is putting off any red flags or nothing, but very clearly she's seen or experienced something and is highly emotional about it. Now, as always with a video like this, you'll get a number of factions forming online. There are those who think she's the hottest female ever and who want to take her out, wine her, dine her, 49er. But then you have the other faction who say, what if she's telling the truth? What if she really was sitting next to or nearby a shapeshifter, a sort of reptilian being of sorts, perhaps? You know, one can only suspect with as popular as this video became over the course of a week, I haven't seen this woman do one interview for any of the major stations, not one. What happened to her? Where is she? Did the reptilians get to her before the media could? It's my understanding that she did, in fact, get off that flight, but later caught another one to her destination. Who's to say the leader of the reptilian humanoid race or some sort of brand ambassador didn't meet her there and whisk her off to a remote area 
where she's still being held before she could speak to the media. Am I crazy? Look, all I'm saying is check out the video, consider the facts, and decide for yourself. I was looking at our call screen, and it says here we have a caller who once lived next to a site where wreckage was recovered. Caller, you have the floor. What exactly was that all about? What did you see? Uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, I was just doing my dishes after dinner, about, uh, oh, I don't know, like 38, and uh, looked out the window, and there's a uh, light up in the sky. We don't got no street lights on where I'm from. I'm in the country. Kind of weird if there are lights in the sky. So, I don't know what's going on. I call my neighbor. I say, hey, Steve, I mean, Tim, what's going on? You see these lights out here? And he said, yeah, I see them. And so it was about five. I don't know what you'd call it. They were, it was, it was about star shapes, but they weren't five point stars like you'd see on a Christmas tree, you know? They were like, uh, I don't know. Had a lot of points on them. Uh, five lights, and they're light blue, and they're in the shape of a V, like a playing V guitar without a net. And uh, it just kind of hovered between our houses there, me and Tim. And, uh, you know, just kind of sat there for a while, flew away. And somebody got to know something about it, so I'm just trying to put it out there. You know, it's funny because after the first episode of Massacre Radio aired, I was introduced to someone who works within the military-industrial world and knows people who have worked in these so-called secret retrieval programs. And he wants to be identified only as Agent X. And he's joining us now on the Massacre Radio hotline. Agent X, welcome. Okay, so for weeks now, they've been teasing wreckage findings and having discussions on secret retrieval programs. What are your thoughts? Well, I can certainly tell you the wreckage they are teasing is not the wreckage that we have. So you're saying that you have seen or have first-hand knowledge of a separate retrieval that so far remained unreported? Yes. Okay, so tell me about this additional wreckage. What do we know so far? It's a very difficult concept to articulate. Some of it, it's not built in the way that people would assume that it is built. It is more of an organic structure that kind of creates itself, and some of these are disposable. You mentioned organic material. What do you believe the source of this material to be? Is it of this earth? The organic crafts are made out of a metal substance. It's not something that I say really is organic here, but it is more of a uh, shiny bean. Um, it's really tucked away within the program. It's one of the oldest crafts we actually do have. Do you anticipate either sightings or retrievals of this particular craft you speak of to become more common in the coming months? I believe that's what they're trying to get us to currently believe, but I don't think that is the case. I think what they are actually disclosing is the technology we have made alongside of kind of the retrievals that were in Project Zodiac. I mean, we could just be scratching the surface as far as how deep this actually goes, no? Oh, yes, absolutely. There's uh, agencies within countries fighting, and there's a lot more vehicles out there and captured craft and I guess what we might conceptualize as vehicles in the hands of humans. So I got to ask, when these portions of wreckage were found, did they find any tissue, any alien remains, so to speak? Well, we have to keep in mind when discussing this topic, there's almost a different situation behind every object that we have. So some of it, yes, there has been organic matter. Um, it's 
uncertain if it was sentient organic matter, but we do have such creatures like that. These are things I don't know people who've seen these. These have just been, you know, murmurs within the programs. But there are certain types of biological entities that we do have possession of. And at one point, we're alive. What are your thoughts on David Gresh and his claims and him coming forth with the secret crash retrieval intel? It's uncertain with David Gresh because there is Pentagon influence with a lot of the things he says. Um, he's kind of a hard person to talk about because it might put a target on your back if you do talk about him. He's certainly more credible than most. He is who he says he is. I personally believe he has only been fed a small amount of the story. Uh, there has been other articles coming out, uh, such as the 12 crafts that were recovered. That one, I would say, is more in the realm of what is going on. I think in reaction to David Rush, more information has been coming out. It's just, I guess, now a matter of how the public is going to perceive this information and discern what is truth from reality or truth from fantasy. Agent X, thank you. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. I guess we'll just have to wait until next week to see what kind of fallout there is from that explosive Professor X admission. That is wild, wild stuff. Anyways, thanks to my guest, John Rhodes, all the callers and all the listeners. I'm Members Only Dave from Asker Radio. Take care, and I'll talk at you next week.